0: This week, um, I was able to sit with a a man who had just retired from being the dean of students at a local university after 16 years, and uh, we were just uh, me and my friend were just talking with him and asking him questions, and we started getting on to the the iPhone because it was it was kind of crazy that he'd been the dean of of college students since before the iPhone was invented and now obviously up until this past year where it's like the most normal part about our life. And just kind of talking with him about that. And he said that, um, I just kind of asked him like, did you see any impact? Like is there any like, do you have any like record of like noticing, oh man, I think like smart technology is starting to get into like how the students think and and process and he said around um, 2016, 2017, he began to notice a trend among students. The first trend was that writing began to be shorter and more concise, so that's just our attention spans collectively just, you know, that's cool. We already kind of knew that. The second thing he said he noticed is in several of his students, he was able to, and I can't explain this, we had a long conversation, covered a lot of stuff, but this is just what he said. Just by how they wrote, he could trace the one or two prominent voices in culture that they had been studying under. He was like, oh, I, can, I could actually trace just from their writing what influencer they had been watching on their phone. Like, it was actually pretty easy to trace. And then third, he said, I began noticing that students began like almost like pledging their allegiance to the professors that sounded the most like the people that had influence over their life. So like if a professor kind of reflected an ideology that they had learned on their phone, they would just gravitate toward them and tout them and, and give them their allegiance in some ways. And to sum it up, students were imitating their influences. And that's the whole conversation today. And, and, and that conversation ended and he said, man, for your line of ministry, I would spend the bulk of my time figuring out how social media is impacting the minds of the next generation. Because um, it's just like, I've never seen it. He's like, it's part of the reason I retired is I realized I don't fully understand what has happened. <laughs> like I can't quite speak the language anymore. And it really impacted me to sit with someone who had observed the same demographic for 16 years and and could just see the change so obviously. And I was reminded of something that all of us know. Right now we live in the age of the influencer, right? Like we have all been made aware over the past few years how seemingly easy it is to shape the minds and the thinking of huge amounts of people In short amounts of time, right? It's why so many of us think through the lens of Democrat and Republican, conservative or liberal. (laughs) Like that we reduce people to those two options. Like, and it's it can be almost our default way that we have to coach ourselves out of. Like, oh wait, don't do that. People are complex, they're nuanced. But if we're not careful, we'll default into it. That's being influenced. It's why. So many of us have passionate yet uninformed opinions on what we perceive to be important global issues, right? We're being trained to be passionate about really important topics that we don't know a lot about, but we need to yell, right? Let's make it lighthearted. It's why fashion changes at such a rapid pace. If I walked around a college campus right now and showed photos of what I wore 10 years ago in college, You know, it'd be hilarious. If I time traveled back to my people in college, my people, my my Belmont people, and showed them photos of fashion now, they'd be like, what is going on and what thrift store threw up on everybody, you know? (laughs) What is this? And I'm not hating. I'm from West Kentucky. I showed up to Belmont wearing all kinds of Hollister and I wore my hat cocked to the side. I don't know what I was doing. I also wore a lot of Christian T-shirts. They were super artsy. So I'm not saying anything about fashion, you guys are cooler than me, but I'm just like, man, who or what has influence on your life? I thought about the term influencer. What a weird term. We just call people influencers? Culturally speaking, we go, you have permission to shape the minds of culture. You have permission to dictate what we value, what we think is cool, what we think is lame, what we think is worth loving, what we think is worth hating, what we think we should be proud of, what you should be embarrassed about. You're an influencer. It's an interesting time we're in, and here's what I want us to know today. As we think about Philippians 3.17, where Paul says, imitate me. You will imitate your influences. This is a fact about who you are. You're going to imitate your influences. Our mind, from a neurological perspective, rewires itself according to what you observe most often. This is just a fact of life. And I I want you to hear me on this one. You will imitate your influences regardless of how good or bad they are. Regardless of how healthy or toxic. Regardless if you agree or disagree, which is really interesting. How you act, talk, dress, think, live. And this is why life online is so daunting. It's like death by a thousand needles. I mean, any given person probably follows hundreds of people. We have normalized, and I'm not even hating, and it's gonna sound like I'm hating for the next few minutes, and I, maybe I am. (laughs) If I am, I'm hating on me too, so we're good. (laughs) But it's so common for people to follow like, Hundreds of hundreds of people, thousands of people. And there's no way that everyone you follow, you have this mantra, every account I follow reflects my values and what I believe and what I care about and what I want to uphold and how I want to raise my kids, right? None of us are doing that. But we follow them regardless. And so your phone is literally a Russian roulette for the day. When you open up your feed, you have no idea what you're about to see. But it will be people that you chose. It might be funny, It might be heartbreaking, it might be sexual, it might be fashion, it might be life advice, it might be harmful, it might be motivating, it might be helpful, it might make you feel insecure, it might make you laugh, it might make you cry. Who knows? The one thing you can know is it will influence you. It will do that. You don't know what it's gonna be, but you can know it's gonna have influence. And so I don't know if you've thought this recently, but you need to. The people or the things that I observe the most often with my eyes and my ears, are molding me. They are shaping me, how I live, how I think, how I process, and I think this detail, this isn't like, okay, I'm being kinda somber right now, but this is actually a good thing about humanity. I think God made us to be impressionable because he's impressive. I don't know. That's in my notes. It's been a minute. I'm rusty. Um, But I think this is why, I mean, Jesus says, like, hey, follow me. You are impressionable, and I want to have supreme influence over you. For when I have influence over you, you will imitate my ways. Follow me. Live how I live. Think how I think. Serve how I serve. Humble how I humble, sacrifice how I sacrifice, surrender how I surrender. But the problem with living in a broken world and being designed to be influenced is there's a lot of unearned influence going around. Listen, hot take, grace is free, influence should be earned, and not a lot of people are earning it. There's this passage in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, there's an evil that I've seen under the sun. As it were an error proceeding from the ruler, folly is set in many high places and the rich sit in a low place. I've seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground as slaves. Let me translate. Solomon is mourning that wisdom does not equal influence and influence does not equal wisdom. People with no wisdom, no maturity, no character, no vision, no biblical framework have influence. Therefore, we need the help of God. Church, we need the help of God to cultivate eyes to perceive who is wise among us. And when we see them, pay attention to them. God, help me see who is wise among us, and help me not to confuse a platform with wisdom. So this brings about two questions. How am I being unintentionally formed? How am I being unintentionally influenced? In other words, where am I unaware that my thoughts, my actions are impacting, uh, are being impacted by someone or something, and I just don't see it yet? Second question, how am I being intentionally influenced? Who or what am I actively choosing to have influence over my life? So let's talk about being unintentionally influenced for a few moments. Also, I forgot to say this. We do intergenerational ministry. There's kids. I don't know if you hear them. But I remember going on a mission trip to Uganda, and it was a mission trip where uh, we were just joining other pastors and making disciples and preaching to churches, and it was really beautiful. And what I loved about Ugandan church was nothing was really compartmentalized. Everyone worshiped together, and it was beautiful chaos, and it wasn't intended to be like disruptive. It was like, of course babies yell. Babies do that. Of course kids run around. Kids do that. And we can worship and play and yell and run in the same space. No one is interrupting anything. This is life on earth, and I loved it. And a couple weeks ago, for the first time, I had this thought. This sounds like Uganda a little bit. We haven't learned how to quite worship that way, but we have learned how to have chaos that way. And I just want to let you know, if you're new here, you'll get used to it, and it's beautiful. Anyway, back from the commercial break. How am I being unintentionally influenced? Unintentional influence will lead to accidental imitating. Okay? Unintentional influence will lead to accidentally imitating that influence. Example, Michael Scott. The Office. Some of you are so tired of how much people love The Office and I'm sorry, I love it. But I don't sit down and watch The Office and behold Michael Scott and go, mold me. Make me, teach me how to be a dad. You know me, Mike, prison Mike. You know, I've got a daughter, help. You know, I'm not doing that, and yet, in my social circles, you know, I don't wake up that morning going, I hope someone sets me up with the perfect pun, so I can go, that's what she, that's what she, you know, I don't, that one didn't hit as hard. Okay, listen, so what I'm, that's my point is it's not appropriate, <laughs> like, that's my point. Like, I don't wake up going, oh man, I hope that I like have crude humor in my day, in my work day with my, with my staff members at a church. And yet, it happens, why? I'm being unintentionally influenced, I love battle rap. There are Christians in battle rap, there are a lot of self-proclaimed not Christians in battle rap, and they have no filter whatsoever, it's very violent. And I don't watch that going, teach me how to interact with others when I have problems with them. Like, I understand, right? But yet when I'm in traffic and an unidentified driver messes with me, this inner gangster in me that is not authentic, <laughs> it's not real. I, I don't got that in me. I'm all bark, no bite, no teeth, no nothing, right? And yet when I get angry, I have to hear that voice and then filter out. Like, Where'd that come from? It's like I'm being unintentionally influenced. And I am without meaning to Beginning to imitate. I was watching a show, and the boss on the show was really mean and had a temper problem. That was a part of his character, was his anger. And he went really unfiltered. And I found myself wanting to go unfiltered. And I was like, wait, that reminds me of this fictional character. How is that possible? That's what I mean by unintentional influence. And so there's this invitation to think about this. Who are the influencers that have your attention? Who are the, what are the TV shows? The books? The podcast, the music, the people in your real life, your friend group, and I'm not trying to turn us legalistic and and, and just like get really like intense about like no secular thoughts ever, but I do want to ask this question, is the sum of your peripheral influences adding up to make you more or less like Christ? That's a really important question because you are going to imitate the sum of your influences. That will happen. And so it's important that we take, an, we take like a, what, what am I a take a? Inventory, <laughs> yes Gentry. It's important we take an inventory. How does all this add up? Is it pushing me more toward the presence of Jesus? Is it molding the character of Christ in me more? Or am I actually having to resist the influence I keep surrounding myself with because it's making me less like Jesus? Important question. Let's move to intentional influence. Who are you actively looking to mimic because of their walk with Jesus? Great question. Like answer this for yourself right now. Who are you actively paying attention to because of their walk with Jesus? Because that's Paul's idea. Imitate me, not because of me. I'm imitating Jesus. We live in a culture where it's actually so easy to follow and have an affinity for people despite their walk with Jesus. People that have no desire or care about the glory of God. They design beautiful homes where they live generous lives, or they're super kind or super fit or make great movies, music, paintings, like they really seem to have their life together. Everything except they call Jesus Lord and let the ways of Jesus shape everything they say and do. And we've given them access. And so my question is, who are you drawing near to because they love Jesus? And we're in the age of, I'm just doing me. You do you, I'll do me, it's all good, hands off. But you're not just doing you. The algorithm is building you. Is making you you are not independent of that it's not am i being influenced it's who's influencing me and so the question of okay who am i intentionally setting my eyes on parents you need other parents that love jesus and are shaping their family in the way of jesus and you need to hang around those parents more often and ask questions and pray together and worship together. Young people, you need old people who were younger at one point and they love Jesus and they've learned some valuable lessons. You need to sit underneath them and be a student. Friends, you need friends that are not subtle about the ways of Christ. The friends that know that Jesus isn't just for Sundays at nine or Wednesdays at seven, but that Jesus is alive and active and readily available at every point of the day. Holy Spirit, come. I would encourage you to find someone worth drawing near to and get as close to them as they are willing to let you. In a culture of highlights, post what you're most proud of. We need to be close to people that love Jesus, and here you go, we need to see them fail and watch how they respond to failure. You need to be close to someone that they have to confess and repent in front of you because you got to watch them smart off to their spouse. You got to watch them complain too much about their job. You got to watch them take their hands off the wheel a little bit in their spiritual walk and they've walked away from God and they have to confess it to you. You need to be close enough to watch their highlights and their lowlights imitate them as they imitate Jesus or at least try to. And so my invitation to us in the intentional realm is to begin praying for God, will you show me someone worth imitating? And I will draw near to them. The disciples were near enough to Jesus that the dust from his sandals were on their shins. And I don't think Jesus did that by accident or meant for that to remain a metaphor for us. I think he literally is inviting us in your discipleship, in your seeking of mentors, be close to them. Put your phone down, go to their homes, share meals, go on trips, go to the grocery stores. Watch how they live and breathe so that you might imitate them. All right, next point. We're gonna flip it and we're gonna turn the pressure up just a little. Are you worth imitating? And I struggle with that word, are you worth imitating? Because I want to be clear on identity. Like, this isn't like a, are you worthy as a son or daughter, okay? Adopted sons and daughters clothed in the righteousness of Christ, forever, forever worthy of the Father's heart. But I also don't want to, like, alleviate the responsibility on the Christian believer. We live in a world that goes, this whole thing's a movie about you, and everyone around you is just a supporting character trying to make your life better. And if they don't, they're the villain, It's all about you. Going from a Christian adolescent to a Christian adult is understanding this life is not my own. And I hope that my life is a blessing to someone else's. It's that, Paul, I pour my life out as a drink offering on behalf of your faith. Part of being a Christian adult is making someone's life better, even if just by osmosis. So who are you helping become more like Jesus simply because they are breathing around you? Like ask yourself that is someone more likely to be like Christ because they exist around me as a coworker or a close friend are people growing in patience peace kindness evangelism discipleship love grace mercy simply because they know me because the question is not am i going to be imitated the question is is that good news And for Paul, I think he knows it's good news. I think Paul is going, it's good news if someone is imitating me. And not only that, I don't think that's a point of pride. And I actually think he would love a church full of Christians that can, in confidence, not pride, say, it is good news if someone chooses to imitate me. For I have given my life to imitating Christ. We know that Paul doesn't think he's the best thing to touch earth. He says of all the sinners, I'm the worst. Right, like, but he knows I'm just a man who's been wrecked by the love of Christ. And everything I've learned, everything I've possessed, I consider it nothing so that I can know Jesus imitate me. None of this is anything. It's rubbish so that we can know Jesus imitate me. That's the first Corinthians 10 where he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. When Paul says, imitate me, he's not going, man, the world could use a lot of Pauls. He's going, the world could use a lot of little Jesuses walking around. And I've given my entire life to being like Jesus. So imitate me. And when Paul says, imitate me, I think Paul is very aware I'm going to do it wrong too. And I hope when I do it wrong, you get to imitate me when you do wrong because I'm going to confess. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to take responsibility before I blame my circumstances or blame my neighbor. I'm going to confess humbly before the Lord. I'm going to pray forgiveness over my enemy. Like I'm going to do it all. It's going to be a big mess, but I'm going to do it in the name of Jesus. How I live, how I love, how I apologize, how I repent, how I serve, surrender, listen, worship, pray, imitate me. And in the Christian circles, there can be this weird false humility that I am officially calling you out of. It basically goes like this Oh, I am awful. Jesus is amazing. And that's the end of it. Look to him. I get it. I agree. We are sinners. We could never save ourselves. By Jesus and his grace alone are we brought into the fold, made into a right relationship with the Father. That is a fact but I promise you, Jesus is too good to leave you this awful person. It's actually Jesus' goal to make you so much like Jesus, you help other people get to know Jesus. And so church, I'm calling you, be the Christian that goes, no, no, no. I'm not lowering the bar for, I'm raising the bar for myself. I hope I live a life where if you mimic it, you will remind your neighbor of Christ. That's my goal. Man, I go on a jog sometimes. I, I didn't plan this. I go on a jog sometimes, and on my run, I don't know why, but I start hyping myself up. And I'm like, I'm about to be a dad that no dad has ever been. I'm gonna be the best dad. I'm gonna make other dads go, I gotta step my game up. What he's doing, I gotta be doing that. And then what I do, because that's cocky, right? But then I define for myself, what's a dad? Man, he prays with his family. He invites the Holy Spirit into his living room. He humbly serves his wife, uplifts her, speaks identity over her. He prays over his crib. He invites the Holy Spirit to have his way in Leona. I'm gonna make every dad wish they were more like me because I'm trying to be more like Christ. I kind of want some more. I don't know if this is like holy pride or something. I don't want us to be prideful. That's sin. You gotta help me navigate the nuance. But I do want you to be able to look in the mirror and go, that is someone who has given it all for Christ. And I am ready and available for anyone that wants to follow me as I follow Jesus. That's your responsibility. That's discipleship. There is a difference between humility and neglecting the call to influence others for the sake of Christ. You are called to do that. What's my calling? What fi- you're called to love God with all your heart, soul and mind, that's your calling. You're called to make disciples, that's your calling. I figured it out for you. You don't have to ask. Make disciples, have influence on purpose over others. Help them see how Jesus is, how he lives, how he speaks, how he responds, what he prays for, how he prays, how he prays for others, how he worships, what he prioritizes, how he spends his money, how he organizes his calendar. Like, that's for you. Be worth imitating. And here's the good news. Because if you're like me, you're like, all right, I want to be worth imitating. I hear you, the pep talk worked but I'm not worth imitating. So, good news. The more you seek to imitate Christ and the more you seek to choose people to have influence over you that also seek to imitate Christ, the more you will be be worth imitating. The more you will imitate worth Christ. Imitate worth, imitate Christ. All right. (laughs) This is a mess. Look, the storm knocked the power out of my house last night. I did not sleep. So I don't even know what I'm saying, but I hope it's hidden. All right. So we're gonna go to communion for a little bit and I want you to think around these two questions. One around unintentional influence, one around intentional. So first, I want you to take a few moments and write down at least one of each. Write down an unintentional influence or a peripheral influence. This just means something you give your attention to, but you're not sitting with it going, will you shape how I see my life? But maybe it's still impacting you. Intentional influence. Who are you choosing to like follow? Who has permission to shape your values and the way you see life? And then try to get specific. Give an example. Where do you see yourself imitating those influences, both of them? And then number 2. How often are you considering your influence on others? Like for some of you, this is the first time in a long time you've realized you are an influence. That is a fact. Have you considered that often? Do you desire to be imitated? And then why or why not? And just talk to the Lord about it. So I'm gonna give you a few minutes to process. We're not circling up or anything like that. We'll play some music, help you think. Then we'll take communion together as a church.